I look up the patron saints for grief, and I get very unclear results. Some articles I read will reference Mary, Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Immaculate Tears, and her exceptional grief for her exceptional son. Others will say Elizabeth of Hungary, who, upon hearing the death of her husband, cried out, He is dead. He is dead. It is as if, to me, the whole world has died today. Other sources will cite the patron of grief as Elizabeth Seton, the first American saint and founder of the Sisters of Charity. After a short time married to a successful businessman, Elizabeth suffered bankruptcy, poverty, and the deaths of her husband, two of her five children, and members of the Sisters of Charity, all from tuberculosis. About grief, she said, God is like a looking glass in which souls see each other. I looked through article after article about saints who had suffered loss, and it doesn't feel like enough to me. It doesn't have the same resonance to me, a person actively grieving, as stories about saints who pulled their own eyes out of their heads. I have read page after page describing horrific physical harm done to the bodies of saints, and this is what I'm offered for grief. These are stories of people who have loved people who have died. But Elizabeth Ann Seton does not reflect how grieving feels. Immediately after my father died, I would not have had trouble describing the experience with absolute clarity. Grief feels like Dora Salcido's shibboleth. It's the first thing I think of and the only one that ever really holds weight for me. What does this grief feel like, I think? lying awake in an empty apartment in which my father will never return. It feels like shibboleth. I'm certain of this emotion, but still, I find shibboleth a little hard to describe. The piece was a large-scale artwork by the Colombian artist Dora Salcido installed in the Turbine Hall of the Tate Modern in 2007. It's probably one of the most understated pieces installed into that cavernous concrete entrance in the museum, while many have opted for grandeur, something to occupy the hugeness and the emptiness of the space, uh, think here of Olafur Eliasson's weather project, an enormous sun under which people could lie. Salcido's shibboleth was a crack in the floor and nothing else. The crack was 548 feet long, a few inches wide at one end and two feet deep at the other, and it forked towards one end. The work was unguarded and could be walked on and around, and it's in its opening month, 15 people were injured tripping into it. I've read accounts that the crack changed, deepening, opening as traffic continued above it, splitting the firmament of this building further, but I don't know if that's true. Salcido said of the piece, it represents borders, the experience of immigrants, the experience of segregation, the experience of racial hatred. It is the experience of a third world person coming to the heart of Europe. For example, the space which illegal immigrants occupy is a negative space. And so this piece is a negative space. If I were a better art historian, I would now probably talk about Gordon Matto Clark or Lucio Fontano, talk about things being split, things cracked or cut, about structures holding up miraculously despite obvious damage done to them, about holes. But I'm not an art historian, so I will talk about the Bible instead. The word shibboleth means a custom, principle, or belief distinguishing a particular class or group of people. 
My easiest given example of this is my hometown, the port of Los Angeles, San Pedro. The name is pronounced incorrectly, San Pedro, by locals, and correctly by everyone else, San Pedro. It's easy to find a local. The name is a shibboleth, a cultural identifier. Shibboleth exists as a term because of a passage in Judges 12 that says, And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites. And it was so that when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, said, Let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he say nay, then they say unto him, Say now Shibboleth. And he say Sibboleth, for he could not frame or pronounce it right. So they took him and they slew him at the passages of Jordan, and they were fell at the time, the Ephraimites, forty and two thousand. The Ephraimites were identified as strangers, as outsiders, because they could not pronounce shibboleth, so they were killed. A shibboleth becomes a thing, a secret known between people, to separate people from belonging. A shibboleth is a key to an identity. It is a separator, a determinator. After my father dies, I think this grief feels more like shibboleth than anything has ever felt like anything else, and I'm sure of this. It also feels both extraordinarily boring and fundamentally altering. The substance of my life has changed in a way that is permanent. I am altered. The foundation of this building, my body, has been cracked, and the crack is unspectacular. A person was there and is not there now, but it cannot be undone. And I wonder if foot traffic around the crack in the floor is making it deeper, further splitting the foundation of me. Immediately, I am troubled that I cannot remember if I have seen this work in person. In general, I have a good memory for art, but sometimes pieces are just like that. For example, I can remember going to Damien Hirst retrospectives, and I can remember reading lengthy criticisms. I have given presentations in classrooms. I have referenced Haraway and Alloy. I've answered questions from students and expounded at length in seminars about the way animal bodies are utilized and processed in contemporary art. I can also remember standing in a room full of dead butterflies and cigarette ash, also in the Tate Modern, and listening to a friend of mine as he whispered, Christ, at least we didn't have to pay for our tickets to this. But still, I'm unsure if I'm honest which Hearst pieces I've seen in person. Have I stood before the shark? Have I just stared at its image so many times that I've absorbed the experience? I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know if that's the fault of the work, its lack of presence, or more likely its ubiquity of presence in relation to the physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living, which has been made the butt of too many jokes to retain any poetry it could have held, or if it's the fault of my memory. I've looked at a lot of art in my life and been unimpressed with most of it. I can remember how I felt walking through a gallery, but I don't always know what was in it. I can, however, remember touching the scar of shibboleth with my fingers and not listening to my professors as they explained its significance to me. It would have been October or November 2010, three years after the floor had been cracked and two years since it had been filled back in. I had not quite moved into my studio yet at Charing Cross Road, dragging my admittedly meager possessions over from my tiny room in Whitechapel. St. Martin's was still at Charing Cross Road then, and I can remember my professors being generally excitable about the shibboleth. It's a scar, a fissure, a crack. 
I cannot remember finding the stories about Shibboleth particularly moving at the time, although I did like the notion of a scar. This work has injured this building. A surgeon has sewn it up. Like most scars, the end product was both unnerving and unimpressive. Anne Carson has written in Norma Jean Baker of Troy and the beauty of the husband of surgical wounds giving off light. A heart surgeon told me once, no need to worry. Once the cutting starts, a wound shines by its own light. And a wound gives off its own light, surgeons say. If all the lamps in the house were turned out, you could dress this wound by what shines from it. I wonder if you can see it in me. Statistically, it's completely possible. I saw Shibboleth in person. I would have been 17 when the floor was cracked. I might have been in London then. I can remember the bourgeois that was installed before it. Things blur together. It was, however, at the time, the only meaningful comparison I could think of. What is grief like? Shibboleth. Grief is like a crack in the floor of a vast industrial building slowly widening with foot traffic. It is a crack filled in by engineers that still scars the building. It is a piece of art that other work now sits on top of, that that other work has to contend with. The scar of Shibboleth is an inevitability, and it bleeds into the reading of all work after it. You could try, but you can't forget Shibboleth. Two years later, I'm not sure that this is still true. I'm not sure my grief does feel like this. It was premature, maybe, I think, to name the feeling I had then as grief. But I didn't know it then. In 2021, the year my father died, the author Chimanda Ngozi Adichie published notes on grief, an account of her father's death during, but not by, COVID. I find this book, short as it is, difficult to get through because of the starkness of both the familiarities and the differences of our losses. Her father dies suddenly, an unforeseen and terrible rupture, and all events around his death are stymied by pandemic rulings. She finds herself stranded in her home in America, away from the immediacy of her siblings grieving in Nigeria. Her grief is unpredictable, unwieldy. She writes, Grief is forcing new skins on me, scraping scales from my eyes. I regret my past certainties. Surely you should mourn, talk through it, face it, go through it the smug certainties of a person yet unacquainted with grief. I have mourned in the past, but only now have I touched grief's core. Only now do I learn, while feeling for its porous edges, that there is no way through. I am in the center of this churning, and I have become maker of boxes, and inside their unbending walls I cage my thoughts. And I think, yes, we have touched the core. And I think of the opening lines of A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis, a book and a writer for whom I otherwise have no patience. No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. I am not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. I keep on swallowing. In truth, I am struggling to describe the feeling of grief because I often don't know when it's trapping me, stalking quietly behind me and opening its terrible jaws. The light pours out of the wound, but I can't really see it. For me, this grief is slippery. Double slippery because while my father's death feels like the epicenter of this alteration, it is not the only grief to slip in and make itself home in my body. 
do I hurt because I have lost a parent? Do I hurt because this loss was horrific to me because the aftermath was prolonged and it was weird? Do I hurt because I became so sick with the illness that killed him and made itself home inside my joints and my lungs? A permanent and maybe lifelong reminder of his death? Do I hurt because this illness stalled my life in ways big and small because I lost a job that I loved through no fault of my own, but still because of the continuing ravages of COVID on the world? Do I hurt because I am not where I would have predicted myself to be because I can't seem to wedge myself into an open door or find a new opportunity because I'm so stuck and I, I just can't seem to unstick myself. My griefs have grown into each other like one mass inside my body and it's operating under rules I still don't understand. I don't feel like I'm drowning, but I am not the same person or the same body that I was before. When I was a teenager, a lot of really terrible things happened. And when I was 20, I moved to London to go to art school. And after about six months of pure adrenaline, the full weight of everything that had happened to me had been happening to me since I was 12, hit me like a freight train. I had a major psychiatric episode I was unable to go to work, and I had to take two years out of school to recover. At any point during those years, I could have told you what I was feeling and what I thought the origin point of that feeling was. I could have told you what happened that day. But all of it was happening to someone who didn't yet have the ability to connect the dots between what had happened and why she had to stay awake for three days straight or eat until she was sick or drink until she blacked out or why she had to take herself alone to the emergency room on a city bus on a weekday afternoon. That's what this grief feels like now. Something is happening, but I can't find the dots. I don't know where the edges are. I will cry huge, racking sobs in the front seat of my parked car, but I can't tell you why. I'm so angry. I'm so angry all of the time, and I can't hold it in, and I don't understand why this is the thing I am feeling today. In 1972, an Australian geologist named Laszlo Toth walked into St. Peter's Basilica holding a geologist's hammer. He shouted, I am Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, and attacked Michelangelo's Pieta, the images of Mary cradling the dead body of her son, the images of a mother in grief. With 15 strikes of his hammer, he removed Mary's arm at the elbow, knocked off a chunk of her nose, and chipped one of her eyelids. Toth was 33, the age of Jesus at the time of his death and resurrection, the age I am now. He was committed to an Italian psychiatric hospital, but never criminally charged. The Pieta was meticulously restored and now sits behind bulletproof glass. I think. What does this grief feel like? Grief feels like a crack in the firmament. Grief feels like a tender image I am battering with a hammer. Grief does not feel like anything at all. This is All Miracles Are Strange. My name is Liz Hamilton. You can find me on social media under my name, and you can contact me at allmiraclesarestrange at gmail.com. My theme song is an added version of a wax cylinder recording 
of Handel's Israel in Egypt, one of the earliest known recordings of the human voice. If you'd like to read notes or see images from All Miracles Are Strange, you can sign up to my Substack. If you'd like to support me in my work, including both this podcast and my studio practice, you can find me on Patreon. Thank you.